0: Well, uh, this is awkward. Uh, I don't think uh, I've done this in some time, and I'm sure you're a bit uh, confused to, to see me as you're seeing me now. This is the flat skinny mic, not the fat real mic. Uh, but uh, I, I am excited to be with you. I uh, wish I could be physically with you, but uh, I am actually in Virginia with my daughter at Parent Weekend. Uh, we just felt like uh, that was a priority to be with our family on a special weekend. There's one weekend out of the year that she can have her family there and celebrate and be a part of her college festivities. And uh, we've always attended every kid's function ball games. There's always been a parent there. A recital or whatever, and this is just one of those times that we needed to be away. At the same time, this is also the launching of a new series of messages, and that kind of makes it uh, exciting and challenging as well because this message has been on my heart since no, no, no. No later back than, than mid-July, whenever I was in Dallas studying and preparing uh, for the coming year of messages. And this message has been on my plate, has been in my heart, has been just marinating there for some time. So I did not want to not be here to share it with you. So though this may be awkward and uh, maybe a little weird to be watching me on the screen, please bear with me. I'll be back next week. Now next week, as you know, we're kicking off our four gatherings. And I want to say to our 830 crowd... 30 minutes earlier, 8 o'clock. Don't miss it. I want to see every one of you. I'm counting you, and I'm going to know if you're there or not, okay? So be there. And it's only 30 minutes earlier. No big deal. And then the 10 o'clock service, y'all just break it up, okay? Uh, Somewhere in those middle services. And then the 1130 service, 30 minutes later. I promise you're only going to get out about 15 minutes later. It'll be great. You can hit a couple of buffets on your way here, and it'll be a a great worship set as we're together. So pray for us. This is a nine-month journey until we get into our new building. We need all of our church, it's not just our staff doing this, all of our church a part of this, making it happen. But I want to talk about uh, this new series, because this is what, really what we're about, uh, is why we're here today. And I want to think about our culture. In our culture, we've got so many options. Their options are galore. I remember growing up, this is how old I am, I'm as old as dirt, and I can remember growing up whenever we used to have this little console television and there were 12 stations on the dial and you had to turn from station to station to get your 12 stations. And then I remember when we got a little bitty cable box and that cable box gave us another 10 or, or 15 stations and, and now five. Hundred to 600 stations is what you can get. More than you can speak or understand or even watch in a lifetime. It's amazing. What did we have before in coffee? For coffee, we had black and you had brown. And that was it. I mean, that's all there was. Coffee was it. Starbucks brought us to a whole new level. Thank you, Starbucks. And as you think about uh, coffee and and drinking the coffee, now you have 91,000 different options for coffee. We like our coffee options. We love our options on television. Stores, 20 years ago, they tell us that there were 5,000 products in a store. Today there are between fifteen and twenty thousand products in any given store. Obviously, the size of the store—super center versus a, a, a neighborhood market—different things like that give us different options. But fifteen to twenty thousand different options. We live in a world of many options. Why settle for any one thing? Why eliminate the options? Whenever you think about it, out there, well. Even the same when it comes to the religious faith. Why would you want to settle for one when there's so many to choose from? We even kind of make up our own in this day. Isn't this a day of free choice? Isn't this a day to kind of create? Isn't this a day to kind of have it your own way, make it your own, own it in your own style? Why can't you do religion the same? Why can't we mix it, mingle it, morph it, make it, uh, and, and let it happen to, to, to our own liking? Think about that for just a moment. It doesn't work that way. What, how, you, how you believe matters. What you believe matters. Actress Meg Ryan said it like this. Eastern thought, Western mysticism, I really dig the whole Hindu pantheon. I just pull from all kinds of different things. Is that really the way God intended it to be? I think what you need to understand is that rel- what you believe does matter. All right, we even have bumper sticker theology today where you can coexist. And that's a, that's a belief out there. Oprah, uh, in all of her, Philosophies out there to 22 million viewers said this one of the biggest mistakes we make is when we believe that there is only one way, there are many diverse paths leading to God. You know, I want us to understand whenever you understand all the options that are in this world, I want you to understand there is still one option. It does matter what you believe. It's not everything we want. It's not have it your way. It's not your universe and it's not my universe. I can't have it my way. I need to understand who the God of the universe is and it is his way, not my way. And that's going to be a big part of this trading up series that we're going into. But you know the reality is we've been wrestling with pluralism, if you will, for forever. Even go back to, uh, to Joshua when he was going into the land of Cana and he was uh, getting his people established in the land and there was the mixing and the mingling of the different tribes and the different peoples of the land. And, and as they were establishing them, themselves, all of a sudden, all these different religions started mixing, mingling together, morphing. And, and Joshua had to say, stop it, stop it, stop it, stop it, guys. And one of the last charges he gives In his writings, is in Joshua 24, verse 15, when he makes it very clear about himself. And he makes it very clear. There is, it does matter what you believe. There isn't just all these options out there. You can't just pick and choose. He said it like this in his own words. If it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day. Okay, if you're not going to serve God, well, choose this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods of your fathers, who served in the region beyond the rivers, or the gods of the Amorites, in whose land you are dwelling, but as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. He made it very clear. It it wasn't again the gods of the Amorites and the gods of your fathers on the other side of the river. And and all it's 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 not this mixing and mingling and morphing of your own faith together. Listen, you got to choose. And this is going to be a challenging series for all of us to realize what we are being asked to choose. We're being asked to make a choice, to, to receive a choice, that, that, that being the way of Jesus, being Jesus Christ and really owning that in our hearts and in our lives. You know, I think if you look, watch this video, you'll see a similar picture to maybe something you deal with on a regular basis. And I wonder... Are you able to answer the question about is Jesus the only way? Think about that as you watch this. I have intensely studied 16 major religions in the world in my lifetime. I have been able to travel around the world. I've been to the Dome of the Rock, one of the, the holiest places in Judaism, the second holiest place in, in Islam. I've stood in Buddhist temples in China as devout monks were praying, I have I visited the birthplace of Confucius. I've dialogued with communist atheists in the Ukraine. I prayed at the Wailing Wall with Hasidic Jews. I have, in northwest Arkansas, eaten dinner in the homes of Hindu, practicing Hindu believers as they opened up their cabinets and showed me their gods and burnt incense to their gods while we were eating dinner. It was, it's been quite a journey in my own spiritual pilgrimage, studying the various religions and the philosophies of the world. I've sat in mud huts of leading African witch doctors as they told me about their medicines, as they told me about their practices, as they told me about their, their different beliefs. And I have to come back and I have to say to every one of them, as I have journeyed, as I have studied, that I am betting my life on one way, on one truth, on one life. And, and again, this is from an open-minded perspective that I've gone into these, but I've realized more and more that my faith is built on something that I believe is solid and will go and last the distance. And the trading up theme that we're talking about is realizing this, that when you follow Christ, you are moving beyond a lot of the other religions and philosophies of the world. And you are embracing Jesus Christ, who is God. And you need to embrace that and understand that and long for that. Because Jesus made it very clear. Now, listen, I'm going to tell you this I'm a pretty open minded person. We've got a contemporary church. Dress, come as you are, believe. I don't care what you did the night before. We are very flexible as a church. But I also want to say this I'm as flexible as far as Jesus is flexible. When Jesus draws a line in the sand, I have to draw a line in the sand. It's not my world, it's not my universe. I don't get to make up all the rules. And when Jesus said in John 14, 6, that I'm the way, I'm the way, Jesus said. I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Then it's not up for debate. I hope in this series of messages I can offer you two things. Two things that you'll be trading up to whenever you become a faith follower in Jesus Christ. One is that you will have a faith beyond rituals and religion. We're not asking you to join rituals and and to burn a bunch of incense and to do a bunch of bowing and standing and all that kind of stuff. We're not about religion and joining an organization and some kind of institutional religion. We're not about that. We're we're offering you to trade up in this world. We all like to trade up in cars and computers and iPhones and, and whatever else. Trade up to something beyond rituals and religion. Trade up. Number two, to an intimate, dynamic relationship with God. The God of the universe. Trade up to the God of the universe. Now, again, we live in this world of options. Why would you settle for just Jesus? Why just Jesus? Well, we're going to be studying through the book of Hebrews from now until Christmas. So it's going to take us a good while. So just buckle your seatbelts. Let's dive into this. Let's make it happen. It's not going to be easy. I'll tell you right now, I feel at times I'm swimming. I'm drowning over my head uh, in, in the pool of, of truth and theology and philosophy that, that, that make up this book. It's, it's a, it's a one-of-a-kind book. In fact, it's the second most densely packaged book of theology in all of the Bible, second only to the book of Romans. I haven't even ventured in to preaching through the book of Romans. I will one day. But here I am. We don't know who authored it. There's, it's kind of shrouded in mystery. We don't know who authored the book of, of Hebrews. There's a, about 13 different options that have been out there, Paul being one of the main ones. But there's been a lot of people who've kind of said, no, it wasn't Paul because of this, that, and that, and I'm not going to go into all that. But more people have kind of leaned towards Paulus, You'll know Apollos if you read through Corinthians and some of those other books. He was an early church leader father, and he was a believer. He, he was a colleague of, of Paul's. He walked with Paul. He taught with Paul. He, he was alongside Paul. Even at times, there were people kind of choosing Paul versus Apollos, and that wasn't, his, that wasn't the way it should be at all. Um, Apollos is is, is a very viable option. When you think about even uh, Alexandria, he was from Alexandria, Egypt, we know that, very educated probably in his life and the way he lived. And and you can even see that in the deep theology that's uh, contained in the book. There's 150 different Greek words that are just contained in Hebrews alone, nowhere else in the New Testament. So whoever wrote... Hebrews, was a very educated individual. He knew a lot and had a deep found faith in Jesus Christ and was unequivocal, here it is, unequivocal about who Jesus was. I want to read just two verses to you. We're going to read one sentence today, all right? One sentence, and it's going to contain the entire message. And there's more than I can share in this, this, this overwhelming sense of what all is contained in this one sentence, okay? But here's just, here's just the beginning of it. In chapter 1, verse 1 of Hebrews, it says, Long ago, and many times, and in many ways, God spoke to the fathers by the prophets, but in these last days he has spoken to us by his Son. God has spoken. Isn't that an awesome reality that God has spoken? He has always been speaking. He is still speaking today. He hasn't stopped speaking. Do you know his voice? God has spoken, and that's a beautiful reality. Just meditate on that, that God engages his creation. But in this one sentence, it contains so much. This is what uh, Neil Lightfoot said. "In In no sentence in the New Testament are the thoughts so grand and so exquisitely stated as in the opening lines of Hebrews. Now, I'm going to take two minutes to dis- help you discover seven distinctive elements of who Jesus was, okay, and who he, who he is to us. And so I want you to listen to these seven. Now, I realize this. I am way under, uh, I'm way over challenged with this because seven, all seven of these I could take and preach a sermon on each one of these for the next seven weeks, but I'm not. I'm actually going to take two minutes And talk about each one for two minutes. I literally have a timer set for me to watch these. Two minutes under each of these seven distinctives. So please write fast. Please listen hard. I hope if anything today, all I do is whet your appetite. And then from this, you take of your own initiative, take take these challenges, take these distinctives, and just fall in love with Jesus and study him further. All right, are you ready? The timer's ready? Here we go. Distinctive number one that sets Jesus apart from all others is this, that Jesus is the voice of God. We all want to hear from God. We all want to know what God's will is for our life. We all want God to hear our prayers. We all want to hear hear from God in our life. Let me say this to you, that God speaks to us. God wants to speak to you. God speaks in in a beautiful, powerful way. And I hope that you hear and know the voice of God. Can you chart on your life? I can chart in my life. Every time God has spoken to me, In in major ways. I've got it in journals. I've got stacks of journals. I I can't say every time, but I can say every major decision. God has spoken to me in amazing ways. I've jotted it down. I've journaled it because I don't want to miss it. God has always been speaking. Do you hear his voice? Do you know what it sounds like? See, God has been speaking, and Jesus is that voice of God. He was of a voice in the very beginning in John chapter 1 verse 1 it says in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God and the word became flesh Jesus became flesh and dwelt among us and we have seen the glory the glory of the only uh, the, the only son from the father full of grace and truth we know that God speaks And he speaks through his son, Jesus. That's exactly what it says in this passage. That he has spoken to us by his son. He he has spoken to us. That is the voice of God. Do you listen to God's voice? Do you know God's voice? Do you know Jesus? If you know Jesus, you know God. If you know God, you can hear his voice through Jesus. Study the scriptures. Look at his words. Listen to his principles. See, knowing the will of God, knowing, hearing God is not some mysterious voice. It's in studying the life of Jesus. But here's the problem. John chapter 8, verse 47, he who belongs to God, hears what God says. The reason you do not hear is that you do not belong to God. Do you know his voice? One person said it like this. God does not cease speaking, but the noise of the creatures, uh, creatures without and the, our own passions within deafens us and stops our hearing. We must silence every creature. We must silence ourselves to hear the deep hush of the whole soul, the ineffable voice of the spouse. We must bend the ear because it is the gentle, delicate voice only heard by those who no longer hear anything else. Do you know his voice? Number two, Jesus is God's heir to all creation. Now, you notice that right there in the passage, that he is the heir. He is the appointed heir of all things. Circle the word all because that means everything. That means everything. I have everything you have, everything that's in the universe. Jesus is an heir. And now you think if he's an heir, that means he's been given that he's received that from the father the father has made jesus an heir of everything so if if jesus if god owns it and he made it who also owns it jesus owns it you know what that means that means that everything that i have that is on my name that it's on my ownership belongs to jesus it means my house, my career, my thoughts, my dreams, my ideas, the patterns of this world, they belong to Jesus. My vacation belongs to Jesus. Everything belongs to Jesus. Now, here's the beautiful thing is that Jesus, when you fall in love with Jesus and Jesus becomes your Savior and your Lord, he makes you an heir with him. So God makes Jesus an heir and Jesus makes you and I an heir when we enter into this relationship with him. Romans chapter 8, verse 17 says, If children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. I got good news for you. Because you're an heir of Christ and because Christ is going to let you keep your house today. He's going to let you keep your job. He's going to let you keep your car. But please understand this. If he ever needs it, he can have it. Because he owns all things. Nothing is on this universe that he doesn't own. And he just lets us borrow it from him. So if we would have that perspective on life, we would be a lot better off. So Jesus is... is, is also not only an heir, but but also number three. Jesus is the creator of the universe. Now again, Jesus didn't start meek and mild, lying in a in, in, in a little uh, in a little cradle over in, in in Bethlehem. No, he's always existed. Scientists have gone back and they've looked at um, at the at the creation. Obviously, they're studying it. I read a, I read a, of a scientist uh, a number of years ago who studied the sophistication of the universe, the complexity of our solar system, the intelligence of human race, and he computed it out. What's the likelihood of all of this coming into existence without help, without an instigator, without an intelligent design? Mathematically, this is what he came to. It is one In 400,000 trillion, trillion chance that we're here by accident. The Bible says there in Hebrews, in verse 2, that He created the world. We need to understand this God is the creator of the world. John chapter 1, verse 3 all things were made through Him, all things. And without Him was not anything made that was made. And then also Hebrews chapter 11, verse 3, how did God make it? This is interesting. He says, by faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that, so that what is seen was not made out of things that was invisible. That was visible, excuse me. How did he make it? He made it by his word. What's the big bang theory? A big boom happened and the world came into existence. You know what the big bang was? Is when God said, let there be light. Boom, and there it was. Or bang, and there it was. That's the big bang theory that I believe in. Number four, why should Jesus be my God? Number four is that Jesus is the fullness of God. All right, now again, you look back at Hebrews chapter one. It says that he, though... He created the world. Verse 3, He is the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of His nature. Understanding Jesus is understanding God. Again, you want to hear from God? Listen to Jesus. You want to know God? Look at Jesus. Jesus is the fullness of God, the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of His nature. One translation puts it, the exact expression. The word expression there, or the word exact is the word, Greek word caricature, which we understand what that would mean. It would be an imprint or an impression of, some, somebody's imitation of. It's literally like a wax stamp or a stamp onto something. 21st century, it's the carbon copy or the copy and paste of God. Jesus Christ, listen my friends, is not just another way. He is the way the life, the truth. He is God. He is the exact expression of God. Jesus knew who he was. That's why in John 14, 9, he says, whoever has seen me has seen the Father. If you've seen Jesus, you've seen the Father. He is the voice of God. He is the fullness of God. He's the heir of all of God's creation. He is the creator of the universe. He is the fullness of God. Number five, Jesus sustains the universe. He's the one who keeps it all together. You feel like your world's coming apart. We we look at our galaxies, we look at our world, and we wonder how's it all going to stay together. This just disproves all deist thought out there in philosophy that God is like a big watchmaker. He makes the watch and he puts it in motion, and he just backs away. And whatever the watch, when it dies, it dies. No, no, no. Jesus is not a watchmaker. Jesus makes the universe and he keeps the universe going. Because it says again in verse 3, he upholds the universe by the word of his power. So his word is from God. We read that in the very beginning. He is the word. Jesus is the expression of God. His word created the world. We read that in Hebrews chapter 13. And now we see his word keeping it all together. Keeping the world from falling apart. If you want to understand the complexities of your life and my life in this world, go to God. Go to Jesus. Know who Jesus is. If you wanted to understand kinesiology, you wouldn't go to Legoland, okay? Legoland might be a good place to study formations, but it's not a good way to study kinesiology and how our bodies are made. You want to understand how this whole world's going to hold together? Get to know the creator of it. Because Jesus Christ is the creator and the sustainer of what we have and what we live in. Colossians chapter 1 verse 17 says, He existed before everything and He holds all creation together. It's a wonder we don't, know, we don't circle out of control in this world, in this galaxy. It's a wonder our worlds don't collapse in on us because God's grace and God's word is speaking over it. Through Jesus. Jesus is all you need. Get that. Understand that. Number six, Jesus cleans up our messes. Jesus cleans up our messes, and boy, we have a lot of them. But here's the biggest work that he does for us. Uh, he does all this that he mentioned before. He represents God. He does all those things that, that we spoke of before. But but it also says that he is the purification of sins. He is purification. He didn't simply provide a purification of sin, but Jesus is the purification of sin. See, we're going to study a lot in this Hebrews passage, and it's going to be difficult at times because we're going to talk about some Old Testament history, but it's going to hopefully give us a great big context of it all, of all of time. It's all going to come together. See, the Jews were constantly offering sacrifices, daily offering, annually offering sacrifices. They couldn't kill enough animals to cover their sins, but Jesus Christ came and he died And he was the purification for all sins. He covered it all. See, I am a firm believer in Christ alone. Christ alone. So through faith alone, in Christ alone is my only hope. He is the one who cleanses, who makes right, who cleans up my mess-ups and gives me a relationship with God Almighty. I remember reading a story of a businessman who was successful in his own right, but could not find happiness, could not find the purpose for life, could not find answers to life. He goes to Vegas, lives this crazy weekend trip in Vegas, and at the end of that, writes a letter in his hotel room before he commits suicide. Just one line. Here, there are no answers. Let me just say this. You're not going to find answers and make answers on your own. You're going to find through Jesus Christ that he cleans up our messes. He makes it right with us and God. I hope you have that relationship with him. Number seven, Jesus reigns with the Father. Again, you go back to this one sentence. In the very first words out of the shoot here, he says this. He said, he sits down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become such, uh, as much superior to the angels. There's nothing in this world that Jesus Christ isn't over. He is setting down at the right hand of God. This is a sign of authority. This is a sign of being on the throne. And that's where Jesus is. He is sitting on the throne. Angels, yes, he's even greater than the angels. Now, I know there's a lot out there on angels today. There's actually a lot in Hebrews on angels. In fact, there's a lot in the Bible on the angels. In the Old Testament, there's 105 times that angels are used. And 165 times in the New Testament. It's all throughout. Angel, angel, angels. But you know what? Some people will pray to angels but won't pray to Jesus. Some people will try to talk to God, but won't talk to Jesus. Jesus is is God. Jesus is the fullness of God. Jesus is the heir of all things in the world. Jesus created the world. He sustains the world. He is the answer to the world. He is the redeemer of the world. Now, if you don't like this message because I'm talking too much about Jesus and you don't see how that applies to your life, you're missing it. Because Jesus Christ absolutely is God. You are trading up to a relationship with the God of the universe when you come to faith in Jesus Christ. Now, I'll tell you right now, as I said in the beginning, this may be the hardest series for me to preach and to share with you. It's hard because there's a lot of theology, a lot of depth, a lot of things that we're going to have to wade through in this process. But please bear with me. I want you to read one more passage with me. Over in chapter 2. Chapter 2 It says, therefore, pay much closer attention. All this beginning, all this opening, pay closer attention to what we we have heard, lest we drift, hang on to that word, away from it. For since the message declared by angels proved to be reliable, and every transgression or disobedience received just retribution, Jesus dying on the cross was the just retribution, how shall we escape? If we neglect such a great salvation, you know what I want us to see today, and what what you're going to see from now until Christmas. This is a great lead-in to our entire Christmas season. Is I want you to see that Jesus Christ. He's not just a good guy. He's not just a good teacher. He's just not a, a good healer. He's not a good buddy. He's not your bro. Jesus is God. Jesus is the voice of God. Jesus Jesus is is God who created the universe. Jesus is God who owns everything in the universe. Jesus is God who cleans up our messes. Jesus is God who stains my life, keeps it from hurling into oblivion. Jesus is the fullness of God. Jesus is everything that we've talked about in this this message right here. But, But I'm afraid. If we're not careful, we may drift. And That's what he said there. Pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift. I don't want you to drift. I want you to get something solid. I want you to stick to it. I don't want you to waver from it. I don't want you to back off from it. Don't drift from a relationship with Jesus Christ. But That brings me to the second thing he said. I don't, I don't want to be negligent. All right, why would we go through this deep theological study through Hebrews? Let's just keep talking about 30 days to live. Let's just talk about something fun and cool and you know how to have a better marriage or how to be successful in your life. Let me tell you what. Let me tell you what. You get Jesus at the center of your life, you get Jesus in the rightful place of your life, all the other stuff kind of takes care of itself. I don't want to miss something. I don't want to want, I don't want you to drift. But number two, I don't want you to, I don't want to be negligent. I don't want you to be negligent and miss, and miss out on the great salvation. That's what he said in verse three. How shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? This is awesome. And what we're going to unravel and unpack over the next few weeks is this awesome salvation that, that I don't want you to miss. Because when you look at Jesus, I want you to see this throughout this series. He is sufficient. He, he is what you want. If you understood, if you took a bite of him, and I, if you took him in, and, and, and the Bible does say, taste and see that the Lord is good, so I'm not trying to create some ugly uh, cannibalistic metaphor here. But, but I want you just to understand, taste and see that the Lord is good. I want us to see that Jesus Christ is what you want. He is sufficient if you just embrace Him. I want you to also understand in this series the superiority of Christ. Jesus is not only what you want, He's who you need. You don't want to miss that. He's who you need. You don't need jesus and muhammad and jesus and confucian jesus and buddha and jesus and your philosophy you need jesus jesus is the fullness of god jesus is the sustainer of the universe by the word of his mouth jesus is cleans up your messes jesus is setting down at the right hand of god and if there's anybody in control of anything it's jesus understand who jesus is he is superior but i also don't want you to miss the salvation of christ The sufficiency of Christ, the superiority of Christ, and the salvation of Christ. I don't want you to neglect such a great salvation. He has what you need. He has what you need. Salvation. I don't know about you, but I like to eat. I eat three times a day, whether I need it or not, maybe more than that. And I like to go out to eat. That's one of my weak areas is I like to eat out, and I like to eat at at nice restaurants or medium-sized restaurants or dives, hole-in-the-wall, greasy spoons. I'll, I'll eat it, anything if it's got something good to eat at. Um, but I don't know about you. When I go to a restaurant and I like that restaurant, I'll go back again and again and again. Uh, I eat sushi once a week, three times a week sometimes. I don't know. I love sushi, and I, find my, I know my sushi place, and I go to my sushi place, and I get the same thing every time I go. Why is that? In fact, how many of y'all, raise your hand. I know I'm on video, but raise your hand. How many of y'all, when you go to the restaurant, you get the same thing every single time once you find out what you like? Raise your hand. All right, all right. I know, I know I'm not the only one. That's me, all right. Because I don't want to waste the money, okay? Uh, I'm too cheap, and if I get something, I'll be disappointed in it. I'll tell you what. If you taste and see that the Lord is good, if you, if you bite down on Jesus, fully, um, fully embrace him, I believe you won't want anything else on the world's menu. I'm just saying this. There's a lot of other religions out there, and the next two weeks we're going to really unpack some of that, but here's what we're not going to do. I'm not going to berate the other religions of the world. I'm going to actually compliment them, but I am going to do this. I am going to show you where Jesus Christ is supreme, where Jesus Christ is sufficient, where Jesus Christ... Bring salvation over all those other religions of the world. And here's the thing. When you go to Jesus and you taste Jesus, you will see that He is sufficient. He is supreme. And you don't want anything else. He is what you need. If you're here today and you don't know the Jesus that I spoke of, the Jesus that in one sentence I spoke of today, from Hebrews chapter 1, I want to invite you, as the band comes back and they sing and they lead us, I want to invite you. There's going to be a couple of staff members across the front, and they're just going to be here to pray with you. Because if you don't know the Jesus that I speak of, that I know, I want you to know him. He is sufficient. He is supreme. And he holds an amazing salvation that he's ready to give to you. I want to pray for us. Lord Jesus. This is complex, me speaking on a video screen, and I know it's kind of odd. But, Lord, your word is truth. And Jesus is truth. And, Lord, thank you. Thank you for sending Jesus to this earth. Father, thank you for sending Jesus. Jesus, thank you for sending your Holy Spirit. Thank you for all that how you work together, and yet I don't even understand it. But Lord, I believe it in faith. And when I sit here and I, and I see the superiority and the sufficiency, when I see the salvation of Jesus, I just want to run and I just want to say thank you. And I just want to pray, Lord, for everyone in this room, for everyone watching on the Internet, Lord, I want to pray that they know you and that they not drift from you and that they not neglect such a great salvation. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen.